0: the most delightful conversation with him the whole way there Mm. right like talking about his family and talking about his favorite things to do and what was his favorite beach and you know how were his he had daughters too and um and it just language can really open up worlds
1: Hey, it's Brandon Knob, and you're listening to Educate, a podcast focusing on education, but with a twist. We explore different perspectives of today's learning systems and ask dynamic leaders who are pioneers in their respective fields some poignant questions. You'll get to hear very fascinating conversations with great thoughts about the future. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Educate. You're listening to Educate. And today, we're fortunate to have one of Seattle's top startup executives, Emily Carrion. Now, now did I pronounce your last name correctly?
0: Pretty good, Brandon. It's Carrion.
1: Carrion. Okay. Well, <laughs> I hope I'm getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a recent jog, actually, I had the fortune to hear a, a great interview with you. On Adam Schoenfeld's Built in Seattle, which I, I by the way, I, I do highly recommend. Now, um, I don't know if there's an equal phrase like glued to the TV for podcasts, but I was definitely that on that, you know, jog. Uh, maybe we can say something like glued to my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily had an amazing answer after an amazing answer um, to all his questions, and I told myself we had to have her on the show. Um, but if you haven't heard about Emily, well, let, let's start by sharing a, a tiny bit about her. Um, she's the chief marketing officer for Rubica.com, and if you read her profile on LinkedIn, you'll find that she's also done a ton of other amazing like positions, uh, including helping other startups in the Seattle area. But well, let's start off, though, with today's show by having her maybe talk a little bit about her position at Rubica, if you don't mind, or, you know, sharing a few words about yourself. So so tell us, Emily, what is Rubica? And tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Yeah, happy to. So Rubica, you can think of Rubica as your digital bodyguard. So we provide cybersecurity to people and, um, and businesses. And you know you might think like well how is that revolutionary but it it what i found out when i joined is that 90% of cybersecurity solutions are built for governments and really big businesses so the vision of the founders was to democratize cybersecurity and bring it to everyone and so that sounded super fascinating to me and uh so I've joined uh, about two years ago now, and we are—we've are, been bringing cyber, ro- really robust cybersecurity to you know everyone.
1: Wow, two years already—that's that's like an eternity for startups. Right, so. uh,
0: <laughs> <what am I? laughs>
1: and and are you like the typical CMO, or or do you feel like you're wearing a few extra hats?
0: Well, I mean, you know, this is another startup guru is the, you know, you always wear a lot of hats when you're at a startup. So currently, um, you know, marketing, but also doing some sales and, um, you know, done a lot with um, when I started, we did a lot with the customer experience um, and improving the apps, um, improving the experience for the customer. So a lot of listening to customers. So um, sometimes that, you know, for me, I think that's a critical piece of marketing uh, and it also can be its own function if you're at a bigger company. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's always a lot of different hats. You do what needs to get done to, you know, bring your product to as many people as possible.
1: Yeah, no, I love that part during the interview when you talked about always talking to the customer, um, which is what sometimes we call what product market fit to a certain degree. But um, it's, I think you said something about you're talking to them all the time, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I think you have to, I mean, think how much the world has changed just in the last four months. And if we aren't talking to customers, we'll build, maybe we'll build a product that we love, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone else is going to use it. Right. Or that it is, you know, as easy as it needs to be, or, you know, works as expected. So I think it's this combination of, I mean, we're inventing the future, right? So some of this is, a customer may not know what that looks like, but they also know what they hate or what's not working for them. So I think you can do a combination of show them, you know, what a new reality is, and listen and make the experience seamless and easy, and um, you know, fit a, a bit of what they are expecting or take the best of other other products that they love.
1: Completely, completely. Actually, when I was listening to that part of uh, the podcast, I was thinking, geez, we should, you know, create another show specifically on product marketing or product marketing and or like a Building products because I think you're and it seems intuitive to be honest to me, and that's why I think maybe I was in a more in alignment with your thoughts. But uh, no, completely thought uh, the same thing, so uh, love the fact.
0: Really intuitive, Brandon. But it's 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 interesting to me that it's also when you get going so fast, right? we you're only like our main competitive advantage as a startup is speed, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going really fast, sometimes you have to cut some corners. And so you can decide very intentionally, which ones are we going to cut? And for me, I think it's like c- cutting out customer feedback is one that I don't think is okay. I think you need a piece of that. But at the same time, sometimes when you're trying to push the envelope and do something different, you got to go ahead of them. So it's kind of this balance of you know how do we get as many insights ahead of time as possible and then we're still going to ship something that's pushing the envelope and then get feedback after the fact and make some tweaks. Uh, but that, that whole process is, you know, it's fun. And I think it, yeah, I, I love like, I learned so much from, you know, what people are saying. And, and also there's like two parts. It's like how the product is built is around feedback, but then also how do we position it? So if the words I'm using doesn't, isn't resonating with people or it doesn't, bring the right picture into their head, they're not gonna buy it. So I'm constantly trying to listen for how do other people describe my product? Not just what I, how I, the marketer, wanna describe it. I'm right. not a target audience, right? So I have to really um, not, like I might like to say something a certain way, but I'm not our target. So I really, it's interesting at Rubik, something I, we've done that I'm really proud of is our top writers, Are not necessarily on the marketing team. They're actually from the infosec team. Oh, really? Writer is our VP of security. That to me is like I know I'm doing something right because he is our target market, right? Mm -hmm. Not me. So I've got to get our technical people. And he's amazing. I mean, he's an author. Like I got super lucky, (laughs) (laughs) right? But something that we're trying to do is bring different voices from across the company, like get our SOC. So our, our security operations center, get people from there to share about what they do and what threat hunting actually looks like. And hear from people from InfoSec who can break down like how this malware, this wonky malware actually works. And then hear the really technical version from my CTO. And then our founder can do the 10,000, 20,000 foot view of like, what does this mean for society? Right. Mm-hmm. So like, that's when that's kind of where the magic happens is when you can take all these voices that have different perspectives about this topic and then, you know, speak to your customer that way. And then where my favorite part is, is when your customers are doing the talking for you. That's when, you know, you've made it.
1: Totally, totally. Um well, and, and and it sounds like you're you're performing some magic there. But before you 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 know you did, um, it, I think I recall you said um, with Adam's show that you you didn't have a background in cybersecurity, right? So, you know, it was jumping yeah. jumping right into this the fire? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, did you have some special skills in in literally jumping into different arenas or or verticals? And, and-
0: yeah, you know, I've always been a, a figure it outer. Mm. I've always been on the team of like, I mean, my very first startup, I I've, I was the first employee. And so literally it would be, it was me and these genius engineers, like one literally was a rocket scientist mm. and I was the one that they'd be like, okay, we have this technology. Now we need to, you know, build it out. Now we need to, um, Create teams around this now. So the first thing, the first thing I did was called Point Inside, and we literally were like the Google Maps of the indoors before Google did that, right? Mm. Um, so we had to actually, so we had the tech, and then we had to build teams to create the maps. And I'm not—I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, right? Just <laughs> 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 like translating—I think that's a, been a big part of um, who I am, as being a translator. And we can go into this later when we talk about education, but I mean, I grew up um, in a Spanish immersion bilingual program since I was in kindergarten. And so I've always kind of been translating uh, and I do this at work too. So back to cybersecurity. uh, I think one of my advantages actually is I didn't know the lingo. I didn't know the acronyms. I didn't know cyberspeak. And so in order to understand it, I ask a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, what does that mean? Okay, well, what does that mean? Tell me more about that. Okay, that sounds important. Break that down for me. Mm-hmm. And then could get to kind of the crux of what's going on. And so then I can uh so then it's taking like that's the most that's the most so it's and then it's like it's a combination, right? So I am, like I was saying, I'm not our target customer because I actually am not as technical as most of our customers. But if I can understand it and we can speak to that person and then I can then leverage the voices of my very technical team, Mm -hmm. we can speak to the range of um, cybersecurity buyers.
1: Got it. Got it. Well, well, when did you join uh, the company? Like, uh, I assume maybe like after they had started. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of curious, um, like what, where, where in the stage of like, you know, the startup phases that everybody goes through, did you jo- jump in?
0: Yeah, so they'd raised their series A already. We've raised um, about 15 million.
1: Mm. And
0: uh, so we were just about to do a pivot. I mean, you know this. Mm. Uh, startups are all about pivoting. Right, right is like right. reading the market signals and pivoting. So we were just pivoting to bringing the offering to consumer, mm. and uh, that, and you know, in order to sell to consumer, it's marketing, right?
2: Right, right, right. <laughs>
0: um, you know, we built ecom, you know, an e-commerce portal on our site, and you know, built out our ASO strategies. To um, ASO is app store optimization to bring um, the app uh, and you know into the iTunes and the Google play store. Um, so when I launched, when I got there, we were just launching our, I like a new version of our iOS and Android app. And then since then, uh, we've pivoted again. Uh, so we found, it's always looking at the data, right? So Mm. we were seeing that about 20% of our customers were B2B. Um, they were, um, you know, small and medium-sized businesses. And we're Uh like, wait, I'm not doing any marketing toward that audience. This is really interesting. Mm. We started talking to some of them and hearing their use cases and looking at the stickiness factor and found that they were actually much stickier. You can sell more seats, right? So you sell one person, but they bring 50 seats or Mm. 75 seats or 400 seats. Well, that's uh, I like that.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> that sounds great. I think any yeah. startup would.
0: <laughs> and then the, the really neat thing is when you support the company and then they're like, oh, we also want to support the families of our companies mm. and the board members of our company. And they, they really expand it because I – mean, what my favorite thing to do is we get one advocate, right? Like we the C- CEO loves it and then they're like, Oh, well, we need to bring this to everybody. Mm. We're like, We know
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're right. So,
0: I love finding these champions and you know, getting to, to blow them away with how easy cybersecurity can be. Mm. Uh and you know, we all know those friends that are like, like I had a friend call me the other day and she's she was like, she's actually a customer. She said, Emily, the only device I don't have Rubica on, I clicked on a link and I knew I shouldn't have clicked this link, but I clicked it. And I'm like, hey, you're a customer. Call our team. We have a (laughs) team of cyber experts. Like, literally call them. That's part of what you get. And she was like, oh, my. Just like you could just feel all the tension. Right. Because it's so intrusive to to feel like someone gets access to your phone right right the, phone like the remote control of our life it's it's our our identity our kids' photos are on this like access to our bank is on this phone so i there's really i mean it was like you could knowing that there was a human and then she was like, oh, I'm going to get Rubica on this device. I, I can't believe I didn't
2: do it. <laughs> <laughs> i like,
0: yeah, you, I mean, that's what you get. You get it across. Like the member, the subscription comes with all of your devices. Like we want to protect your entire digital world. So yeah, it's, it's just like, we all keep hearing about it happening to someone else and what we you know are, why we exist at Rubica is because we don't want it to happen to you.
2: Exactly. Like,
0: Cybercrime is this, billions of billions of dollar industry and you would I mean the stuff I know now it's just like oh my god just like these brilliant humans their entire job is about stealing your money and stealing your and I'm like oh my gosh and then and then they use the money they steal for the worst things on the planet right really I mean think about they're using it for arms they're using it for trafficking they're using it for drugs they're using it for you know, all the worst things, I know this is a family show, so I'm not going to (laughs) say all the things, but like, they use cybercrime to fund all that. And so, like, literally when so Roderick and Francis are our two founders. And when I met with Roderick, he's like, we created the company to get the bad guys, right to like, stop the bad guys from getting, you know, into your kids college savings account to getting to stealing your identity to get into your bank account. He's like, they are after it. They're going after individuals and they're going after smaller businesses now because they're less protected. So, you know, he's like former Scotland Yard, former like, you know, anti-terrorism unit. So he knows literally how bad it is. And he's like, I just had to do something to stop that. So, you know, that's why we exist.
1: Wow. Wow. So you're going to, you're going to have to add something like chief of media relations. It sounds like you you have a script here for a, for a book or a movie. <laughs>
2: you no,
0: know, at some point we do need to tell the story because like, I mean, think about like, I always, I, I bet he doesn't like me calling him this, but I think Roderick is our man. <laughs> is the Most Interesting human I've ever met. I mean, the people, cause I mean, his, the, our parent company, concentric Mm. so they do physical security for the the billionaires and former presidents like they do their bodyguards they're um you know they're your escort when you you know your your security um detail when you travel abroad so he the people he knows and the things he's seen like I just, you know, I'm like, I like I trust you. Don't tell me everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. Um geez, I, I want to go down this path, but I, we could go down many, many different paths, it, it feels like. But um Tell me because uh, uh, your, your talents are so you know amazing from what what just the, the little I heard from that interview and I'm already feeling from our interview here today but um, do you think like you know someone like yourself uh, like gravitates towards the startup world like your personality fits that space or or do you think you know you would have probably done well maybe in even the corporate space where there's thousands and thousands of employees?
0: yeah you know i that 's one of the questions I get a lot from um you know recent grads and you know people deciding whether they want to do startup or big companies. I mean I am an achiever mm. <laughs> I like the get the gold star person, oh. so I feel like I would you know work really hard and figure out a path kind of wherever i I landed. I do however think there's a reason I gravitated towards startups so mm. I, uh, my very, very first, well, my very first job after college, I got to work for the Pacific Institute
2: Mm.
0: and basically it's like cognitive psychology, like how your mind works, it's training, it's seminars. And really we had this belief that like anything was possible and age Was not a factor. Education, like your education level, was not a factor. It was like, if you believed it, you could create it. And wow, as a 22 year old, what an incredible way to start a career. Like, they literally would throw me off the deep end. And I believed because we all talked about it, I believed that I could swim. And I would literally like be teaching myself how to swim as I'm in these like crazy choppy waters. So, one of the projects I got to do. Uh, so this is kind of tying into education too. So when I so I gotta tell slight backstory for this to sink in, but sure. sure. And when I was at Whitman, you have to write a senior thesis, mm-hmm. and I wrote mine about education in Guatemala. Because I found out that for, at the time, this is now, you know, 15 years ago, 20, um, but 40% of first graders or kindergarten didn't go to first grade. Mm. And I was like, holy cow, like that is a cra- like that's a giant number, right? Like what is right. going on here? Right. So a bunch of research and found, you know, there's a, we could talk about that later, but there's a mm. reasons why. Um So I wrote my thesis about this. And then I found out this company, the Pacific Institute was doing a project in collaboration with the World Bank and with the Ministry of Education in Guatemala. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to show them this research um, that I did for, but my mom, um, after I graduated from college, my mom set me up with um, a bunch of informational interviews so that I could kind of, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, but then I, I, um, my mom knew someone at the Pacific Institute, and so I got to, you know, I was like, hey, I did this research. Could I come share it with you? Mm-hmm. And it was such, I had, after these, I had all this practice doing informational interviews. Then I got to come and present my thesis basically to this group, this team that was working on this in Guatemala. And I was like, this is such a cool thing. Oh, wow. And they ended up hiring me. They literally, after, afterward, they're like, wait, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, applying for jobs. They're like, how about you start Monday? <laughs> oh, and wow. then it was like, from then on, it was like thrown in off the deep end. And I got to work in Guatemala doing teacher training about teaching teachers. We were teaching, we were showing teachers um, that if, if kids could dream, like it was called the dream project. Like mm. what kind of a magic, it was such a magical program. we mm. so taught teachers about the power of, you know, your mind and visualization and affirmations and dreaming. And um, then they could bring this to the parents and the kids and show like, yes, your kids need to support your family so you can, you know, survive and education can be a pathway for your family wow. and here's how um it was super powerful so once you get exposed to that at a very young age and like literally like i would been you know they'd send me to guatemala we do these i'm 22 years old right i'm mm. like well you know they think i can do it so then after that i'm like hooked on autonomy right like hooked sure. on what like seeing what i can do at, um and how capable people can be. And then, so, um, you know, I went to, you, you wanted to talk about this a little bit later, but I, you know, I went to grad school cause I was like, well, after liberal, liberal arts, I, you know, I, you know, have an amazing education in like critical thinking I can write very well. And I have this kind of broad education, but now that I'm like doing, you know, in business, I'm like, there's gotta be some, best practices around project management and around like operations and around, you know, how to run a team and some of the stuff, like all of us at my, on my team were self-taught,
2: mm.
0: which is awesome, right? I am all about self-teaching
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I want to learn from the best and try to shortcut how I get there, right? I want to always try to leapfrog how to get somewhere faster. So I was like, well, there's this night program at Seattle U mm-hmm. where I can keep my job because I loved my job. But I can still augment the skill set that I felt I was lacking in a way. Mm. And so that's what drove me to Seattle U. And then once I was there, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love, I love learning. Like, I, love, <laughs> I <laughs> love being in school. I love learning. I love learning from professors who actually were operators. Mm-hmm. And learning, like, from I had the, this one professor who's amazing, Kent Johnson. He told us every way he screwed up. <laughs> you know what though? I remember all of those stories and like now I know what not to do so I can go make my own mistakes, right? Mm. Like shortcut in my way. Um he's a C he's like a seven time CEO, now he's a VC. Like, talk about shortcutting how to get somewhere, right? Of course, yeah. And so the other thing that happened there is uh one of my mentors, Steve Brilling. Um, he was like, You know, Emily, you really should think about the business plan competition. And I was like, I was like, Oh, uh, this is before being an entrepreneur was sexy. I just have to throw that out there. Now, <laughs> an but at the time, like, I was like, I don't have a Mark Zuckerberg idea. Mm-hmm. And he's like, You don't have to. You can partner with entrepreneurs. And I was like, mm. What? You mm. partner with entrepreneurs? So he introduced me to these three back now. We're back at Point Inside. He introduced me to these three engineers who you know this was their third business or something so they've done this before Mm. And i became and i you know i partnered with them as the marketing and business side and i translated engineering speak to human speak (laughs) Right. so they were using all these acronyms about you know indoor navigation system and and you know triangulation of wi-fi signals and all this you know stuff and i was like wait it sounds like we're the google maps of the indoors It's like, yeah, now everyone has a picture of what we do. I mean, again, this was before that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, and I think so. That's like kind of full circle, right? So that's like some of the translation. That's the autonomy as employee one. You're literally doing like I hired probably half that company for. Mm. I would did interviews. I hired teams. I ran a team of like twenty or thirty people at one point, and then their marketing. You know, CMO left, and they're like, "Well, Emily, you have an MBA. Why don't you go? You know, help us with marketing." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <Instead> <laughs> of always my thing. Like, put me in, coach. Like, what do you want me to do? What does the team need?" Like, mm. I love. Like, I'm a very much a team player. So, um, that's how I got into marketing,
2: oh.
0: um, and I loved it. I was like, "Wait, I get to figure out like what resonates with customers." I get to. It's like it felt like this huge puzzle.
2: Mm. Of
0: like, taking what, what we wanted to bring to the world, taking problems that people had and like how can we solve their problems for them, make their lives better, and and then also make it visual, tell stories. Um, like there's all these different mediums and and you know this, but marketing is constantly changing, right? Like, right, if it never worked six months ago. Some of that's not working even now, right? Uh, and this is like pre-pandemic. Things just escalated when right. we. when the whole world changed, but marketing's always like that. You always have to have this exploratory piece, experimental piece of what you're doing so that as you're optimizing what is working, you're figuring out, you know, what's going to be, what's going to be your next best channel. What's going to, what's coming next. And I just love that, that model of always be experimenting, always be testing, always be trying um and yeah so that's what's kept me in kind of this this marketing function
1: incredible incredible great great stuff um you know i had i literally had a few other questions i wanted to ask and and i still would love to ask them at it. some point you know um um, but one in particular, um, kind of stands out for, for, um, uh, you know, especially because you talked about that professor, he, you know, told you all the, uh, you know, mistakes he's made. Yeah. So, so do you have any, you know, thoughts now that you've been, you know, involved with multiple startups, like what, what kind of tips would you give to anybody out there who, who does want to start, um, uh, maybe their own, you know, Mark Zuckerberg level of idea or even something small?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, first, let's start with, you know, should you join a startup or should you join a really big company? Mm. Um, I, I think some of us are wired more for the the smaller. And like, if you have to be open to like, there's no such thing as it's not my job at a startup. Right. Like, my team has completely have to, had to pivot from being a B2C model to a B2B model, which is pretty different, right? Sure. And, as we're scaling up the sales team, I'm sales. Okay. I didn't sign up to be sales, but that's what the company needs. Um, And that's, that's always what you have to be doing. So I think um, if you want to be the world's expert at something, go to a big company, right? Like, and you want to get really good at a function, go to a big company. And then maybe when you're that expert, then you could start your own thing and use your expertise there. Um, I've found that the way my brain works is I like being a generalist mm. I like so kind of how once I decided like yes I want so earlier in my career I was like what do I really care about well leadership is really important to me I want a seat at the table I want to be in the room where the you know the the course changes are being made and so I was very intentional I mean and you know also there weren't a ton of women
2: there. Mm. Of course, and yeah. that was
0: to me to like well why not we're just as smart like we can get this out too so i've always kind of had this thing about being an example and so i was like okay well how do i get in that room everything i do is i like reverse engineering how to get there so i was like okay well let's study some people who have that the role i think i want Mm. okay and then now let's call them let's you know cold outreach to them on LinkedIn. It's kind of how you and I met, right, Brandon? Right,
2: right. Exactly. Or
0: it's like, there's someone I want to meet, how do I meet them? And then how do I provide them a ton of value and um, and give them back energy and, um, you know, really listen and bring them along in my journey? And, you know, so back to your question of like, what advice do I have? It's like, always be learning, I would mm, say. Mm. Always, always be learning. And I mean, Shoot. We get to get paid to learn.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: Figure out what your company needs. So kind of how I would figure out like, what are the new skills I need is I'm always looking at job descriptions. Mm. I have no intention of leaving Rubica. Right. But Mm. I'm always looking at, well, what else are people looking at? I'm talking to executive recruiters because I want to know like, what is the most in demand and stay like, what is, what are these, what are the trends I'm following my peers I'm in multiple CMO groups to see like, what are we all working on together? Right. How can we support each other and what's coming next? How's, how are things changing? So not only can I make Rubica better, right? Like I can help us be more successful and I get to keep my skills relevant.
1: Definitely. Definitely. It it, it sounds a lot like, you know, be curious. Am I correct on that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: 100%. Yeah. Well, that's maybe a good segue into, you know, let's let's talk about uh, education a little bit here today. Um, And I'll, I'll be very frank with the audience here today that I did not plan on actually you being just a wealth of information and experiences about education. It sounds like you you're like the perfect fit for for our show because you've had so many even you know uh, the the experiences that you described already and 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 so this is absolutely wonderful. I'm, I'm just. Uh, I literally am am planning on listening to our interview a couple of times later on. So, uh, no, this is this is absolutely wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit. I mean, you've already spoken about um, or, you know, you've you've talked about Whitman, which Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I'm a little jealous because I went to the school that's probably considered below Whitman, you know, uh, University of Puget Sound. Um, oh,
0: you always beat us at soccer.
1: Well, did we? I had no idea. We have an
0: amazing women's soccer
1: program. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but you guys seem to do a little bit better, if not a lot better on the academics. And and you even talking about like your thesis or, or writing that, it almost sounds like a PhD to a significant degree. So, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about you know the Whitman experience, or just your your whole time from before then. I mean, feel free to tell us. You know, when you were born and all the way up, all the way up. I'm so (laughs) curious now.
0: Well, you know, I feel very blessed that my parents put me in the Spanish immersion program in kindergarten. Mm. Um, My parent is something. I get asked, well, why did they do it? I'm like, well. It was a brand new program. Like literally we were the second class to go through. And I'm so grateful for that experience because I just assumed that everyone was bilingual, right? <laughs> just assumed it was normal to learn other languages. And um, it's very easy to pick up an accent when you're that young. You just literally don't know any better, mm-hmm. right? And I, um, you know, there's... My my mom did a bunch of extra homeschooling to make sure I didn't fall behind on the English side because mm. we literally spent all of elementary school, uh, except for like an hour a day was in Spanish. And then gradually it tapered off like it was four classes in sixth grade, three and seventh, two and eighth and one when we got to high school. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> my mom laughs at this story, but they took us. I, my family took us to Mexico. I think I was in fourth grade or fifth grade um and they were like okay they were joking but they were like okay Emily tell the you know the cab driver how to get there I'm this like little tiny blonde um blue-eyed like you know girl sitting in the back of this cab and I you know I told him you know vamos uh I don't remember the address but like vamos a a esta dirección y por favor nos puedes llevar aquí And he almost crashed the car, Brandon. Oh, really? (laughs) He was like, wait, who is this voice talking to me? (laughs) Right? And then I had the most delightful conversation with him the whole way there. Mm. Right? Like talking about his family and talking about his favorite things to do and what was his favorite beach and, you know, how were his – he had daughters too. And and it just – language can really open up worlds. Mm. And it gives you this intimacy with people um that you know don't live where you do so um i just i just felt very blessed that my parents did that for me and for all you know for all my brothers um and um yeah and then i um knew that the way that i learned best was um like smaller like small class sizes like i was never the smartest kid in the room um i would do all the extra credit and like work really hard um, I would get the tutors, I would ask for help. Because um, it wasn't like, you know, one of my brother, like my brothers, they, they just some people just kind of like get stuff easier. That wasn't me. I had to like really dive in and figure it out and learn and see a bunch of examples. And so I wanted to go somewhere where I could, you know, could have a relationship with the, the professor's. Uh, and Whitman has like very, has small class sizes. So, like, you know, your professors, they know you, they have you over to their home. Um, you get to do like small, um, you know, small breakout sessions with your peers. And that was important to me. And I wanted to play soccer in college and wasn't going to make it a D1 school. So <laughs>
1: right.
0: um, it was like, you know, like why Walla Walla, right? And it was like, well, Walla Walla was like this little bubble that they brought everything to us. We had concerts, we had, you know, incredible speakers. We had, you know, everything you could ever want was like within a few miles of you. So I had a great time. I met my husband um, there. So, you know, very grateful for that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, timing. timing sounds yeah. perfect, perfect. I'm kind of curious, where did you learn that immersion or where was that immersion program? Was it in Seattle or was it, you know, did you go to school somewhere else?
0: Yeah, I grew up in Bellevue. Um, so it's called Puesta del Sol, uh, the elementary school, and it's in Bellevue. Um, and then we went to Tilica Middle School and Newport High School.
1: Ah, OK. So it was in the Bellevue, what basically a lot of strong schools on the east side, right?
0: Yeah, it's cool. Because now when I was there, the school was split kind of half um, Spanish immersion, half um, English program. Mm. And now the entire school is Spanish immersion because the demand is there. And it's very cool. Like now, you know, I live in Seattle now and um, there's a lot of schools that offer, you know, language earlier, more immersion programs earlier, like in elementary school, not waiting until high school.
1: Yeah, no, I had no idea that even existed. So, uh, you know, it sounds quite wonderful. I mean, it, uh, how many students were there just out of curiosity?
0: Um, well, it, you know, something interesting about the program is you can't keep adding students, right?
2: Mm. Um,
0: so we added students in kindergarten and first grade. And then every now and then we could add a student because they're, you know, we're, we're bilingual from their home environment. Mm. Uh um, But I think we started with those two kindergarten classes. So I think it was like maybe 50 kids um, when I was like in kindergarten. And I think I think it was like seven of us made it to like through being seniors and in high school. And um, what something else that's really special, though, is we still meet like this is like we're like family. So we still do reunions. I mean, I graduated in like oh two.
2: Mm. Like we still
0: do reunions, right? Like I have known these kids for over thirty years. Wow. And we still, even if people didn't make it like all the way to senior year, like they're, they're in the family. Like we're all part of this family. It's like really special.
1: Wow. Wow. Had no idea. We're
0: talking about, some of us have kids now and we're like, are we going to, are our kids going to go through?
1: (laughs) Is, is, it, is it one of the uh, only uh, Spanish immersion programs on the East side? Because I mean, I know there, I think there was our attempts to do Chinese and a few other languages or, or is it more prevalent than I, than I know? I mean.
0: You know, I don't, I know more, since I live in Seattle, Now I know of Seattle more. I know there's, a, I think there's still a few because there's like the international and there, I know there's an international middle school an international high school where there's lots of language offerings. I, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't
1: know the East side. Okay. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I wish I knew about this as as my kids were growing up and stuff. So no, it just sounds like such a wonderful program. And like you just talked about how you guys are doing reunions and you're so close and whatnot. Do you, do you think that kind of helped trans? I mean, you know, um, you know, led to. I know Newport's a good school. Uh, coincidentally, mm-hmm. uh, Rand went there. Uh, as I was telling you earlier, uh, we I interviewed him. Yeah, and so he had some very interesting thoughts. I had no idea. You know, anybody felt that way. I mean, did did you feel like the 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 Newport experience was quite solid?
0: You know, I am one of those, like I told you earlier, like I love school. Like Mm. I always loved school. Mm. Um, I loved, like I had a really awesome high school experience. Uh, I was playing sports. I was in the band. I was like, I had this, you know, very close knit group of friends that we'd literally been to school since kindergarten together with. And then met a bunch of others because multiple schools, uh, multiple middle schools collide um to go to the same high school but um i did student government i mean i did like all the things so i had i had a really great experience i know that that's not the case for everybody Mm. um and uh i also know that um our in some ways our school was very diverse and in other ways it was really it was a very privileged school
1: Mm. that makes uh, a lot of sense what why it might be different in terms of perspective. Now, now, so you had a solid experience, and then obviously you chose Whitman. What were there? It, you sound like a great student. If you loved it, you know, loved the learning process so much. Um, so you probably had a lot of options, right? Um, or, or were you very laser focused on Whitman?
0: Um, all the schools I wanted to go with started with W. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? It was Whitman, Willamette and Wellesley. Oh, Um, became like the top, the top three for me. I mean, for me, like school size was really important. I wanted to play soccer, um, and I wanted to be, you know, at least a few hours away from home. I wanted to feel like I was, you know, having an experience, um, separate, like I wanted to live on campus, uh, but yeah, that small, um, smaller feel was really important to me. So I was looking at, um, you know, liberal arts schools for the most part.
1: Okay, but that, that makes a lot of sense. But well, Wellesley's uh, across the country, though, right?
0: yeah and you know all girls school my mom was like you should take a look at this i was like all girls school mom you're crazy (laughs) (laughs) but man that college is beautiful it's like a stunning and the network holy moly like i don't think i understood when i was 18 the power of network Mm. wow that school is you are like networked for life like the alumni from wellesley wow
1: yeah, no, completely. Actually, um, maybe talking about that um, in terms of value of education out of curiosity and your thoughts now, you know, many years later, or at least a good number of years later, um, do you look back on, on education as, as a network? Do you look at, look at it as what you learned? I mean, you obviously loved, you know, learning, but, yeah. but what, what do you think about education? Like what, what value it does serve us all?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think there's different stages. So with, for me, Whitman was like learning how to really learn, um, like really critically thinking about not just like reading this thing and spitting out a paper, but like, I remember a big, I had a big wake up call cause so it was like, well, no, what do you think about this? Hmm. What, so what about this? Like, and really having to defend opinions like, whew, and, you know, be able, being able to debate it and, um, think through it. And I, you know, you're getting this from your peers, like <laughs> back to my husband, holy cow. Like he made me question every single belief I had. Right. Well, why do you think that? How did you get, be- you know, well, well, it just is nothing just is Emily. Why do you think like he would just really take me there. Right. Mm women we would talk for hours that's how i knew like hmm, this guy's special (laughs) Um, and you know our professors made you do that too like you couldn't just you know read it and pull out the nuggets it was like no What do you think about this? And how are you tying this to other things you learn and other experiences you've had? So it was really learning how to learn, learning how to write, think critically, speak your mind, have an opinion, public speak, like a lot of those things. And yeah, the material was, you know, I'm glad I know it, but I'm not using, you know, a lot of my, you know, I know a lot about American history, like not using that in my day job now, you know? (laughs) But the the way you learn and the way you, you know, present and those different things, that's to me. And, you know, so for me, that's what Whitman was. And it's also the network. So um, the Whitman network is really strong, particularly on the West Coast, as you can imagine. But Mm -hmm. even when I did, you know, you know, I spent some internships in D.C., And, you know, my brothers lived in North Carolina and like, you call, you like look up, okay, where are the witties? (laughs) Where are the witties? Um, If you know, if you're starting somewhere fresh, you know, like people like, so he made friends with like four generations of Whitman alums when he was in North Carolina. Um, I could randomly find, you know, friends in DC um, that, you know, I didn't know when I was in college, but you have the shared experience. Um, And then for grad school, I thought I was really going for the knowledge and, you know, in some, in many ways I was, there's something, I'm so glad I waited to have to like work first before I went to get my MBA because then honestly, Brandon, I loved accounting. I was like, Oh my gosh, I understand why I need this now. Where if I had gone like straight after my undergrad i probably would have hated that
1: class
0: (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my gosh this makes so much sense this can help me so a lot of stuff could really be directly applied to what i was doing Mm. and you could i learned so much from my peers Mm. uh because like you'd have people you know like engineers from boeing you'd have um hr professionals from microsoft like you had you know all this like incredible different experiences from your peers. Mm -hmm. And then I got to learn from the professors. And you know, something I tell people is um get your MBA where you want to live.
2: Hmm.
0: Because the network to me is the most important reason you get your MBA. Sure. So a lot of people going to Seattle U so they one of the things that makes them different is they have a night program. So you can keep your job. And at the time Boeing was literally paying your entire MBA if you wanted it. So we, there were a lot of Boeing employees um, and a couple other companies that, you know, fully supported their teammates getting an MBA. But what was interesting is often those people, like you, they didn't hang out or they weren't like, like they would get there. And I get it now that I'm a parent. I get it. Like you don't have time to network if you're also a parent and you have a full-time job, like you got to get in, get out, do your homework and be gone. And at the same time, like, it's so sad. I'm like, you miss so much because like, because I, I had the, I was lucky enough to go full-time, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty rare for that program. Mm-hmm. But I, I know all the professors. Like I know, <laughs> I know the Dean, I know all the mentors. Because what's incredible when you're in grad school is everyone wants to help you. Mm. So I literally, we had a mentor program um, when I was doing the business plan competition. I literally collected mentors. I was like, because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing, Brandon. So I was like, okay, I have to do projections. I have no idea how to do that. And they'd be like, I was like, okay, um, you know, Steve, who's the best person for me to talk to? He'd be like, here's three people. Mm. I meet with all of them. Mm -hmm. And I just got to learn so much from their experience. And then I, when I got out of school, I mean, it was 2010, 2010, right? Like Mm -hmm. that was not a good job market. (laughs) Right.
2: Right.
0: And I had a job Mm -hmm. because I, you know, not all my peers had jobs coming out Mm -hmm. and I had, you know, I got to work, you know, point inside hired me. Mm -hmm. Um, We had done the business plan together And they were like, we want you on our team. We want, you know, you're going to be our first employee. Um, And I still, my Seattle U network is still like so golden, um, Mm -hmm. especially through the business plan competition. So I know angel investors and I know, um, you know, other entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, I know, you know, these, Oh my gosh, these, the wealth of knowledge. Um, And so you know, I had a, a, my sister-in-law was considering, she lives in Boise and consider, was considering go to, going to NYU for grad school. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Are you going to move to New York? Mm-hmm. After? And she's like, oh no, i want to come back to Boise. I was like, okay, well then why NYU? Because mm-hmm. you're going to pay a premium to live there, to go there. And then all your network going to be in New York.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And
0: I was like, if you want to stay in Boise, I'd go to the best school in Boise and like meet all the people and, um, you know, no, like really get to know your community there. I mean, look, if you go to Stanford, you go to Harvard, you go to one of the top, 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 like, okay, your network's global. Mm. I If you get into those schools, go to those schools. Your network is global. Um, if you want to work during it, or if you're not going to one of the top 10, then go to your local, the best school in your local area and like milk it. <laughs> network.
1: Right. <laughs> Wow. No, that's great advice. I actually, that was one of my deeper thoughts um, on like why you chose um, Seattle U. I'll I'll be frank, Um, you know, because you went to Whitman, which is considered probably one of the best, if not the best liberal arts program here in in the northwest but now everything what you everything you've said so far makes a lot of sense why you chose
0: uh, yeah and, you know seattle u is really known for social social justice and that was important to me too like the values based um, part of the curriculum um and you know like maybe someday i'll still get to have my stint at stanford <laughs> right
1: right no i could completely see you there and actually Coincidentally, I was just there uh yesterday. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh but uh um one thing I did want to ask, um, and sorry to 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 just jump into that next question, but um you sound like the ideal student. Like literally, you know, if I was a teacher <laughs> or if I was a professor, I'd be like, please, Emily, sit here in the front and ask me lots of questions <laughs> or engage. But but um, you know, unfortunately, not everybody's gonna be that way, right? In class. And so, you know, we might have to, you know, build other things, let's say, uh, to, to add, uh, or I don't know, let me let me ask you, like, what, what do you think would be like an ideal? Or, or do you feel like the school system or, or systems that are out there are, are as good as they can be? Um, do, do you feel like or do you feel like we could probably add or change? Um, because it sounds like you've, you've been excited to learn since, you know, you were very little. But uh, um, do you have any thoughts on that level?
0: You know, I think there's a lot of different types of learners. Mm. And the school system is set up for like one type of learner. Mm. And I don't, and that's the piece where I think things like Khan Academy are brilliant. It's go learn at your pace. Like something I'm fascinated by Khan Academy is, uh, you know, the school system, at least, you know, the one I was brought up in is, you know, everyone has to go at the same pace and what if you didn't understand unit one and you need to repeat unit one well you're behind the entire year Mm -hmm. but you might be an expert at unit six but you don't even really get to get there because you know something in unit one didn't work as well um so i think there's the some of the models are going to need to change right like like some people are really visual some people are audio you know they, they need to hear it some need to see it some need to do experiential learning um and that's tricky for a teacher that has 30 students and everyone's at like some are ahead some are need to catch up in certain areas but they're ahead in other areas and like that is a lot to manage right so i think like having other and, you know you know my my son is one right like we're not there yet so i don't you know there's a lot that i have there's so much that i need to learn around this but i don't think all of the system is equitable mm-hmm. and that like what are what's what do people get during the summer um what are people getting before and after school like i know my mom taught me how to read before school mm. Um, Because we were, I mean, one, part of it is because she just, you know, was a little concerned I wasn't getting enough English in school because I was learning Spanish, right? So, but some of my peers who didn't have that kind of extra support, like, had struggled with spelling, Mm. English, Mm. or writing in English um, because, you know, they weren't getting quite enough of that. So, it's, um, I don't know the solutions. I know that, you know, there's some wonderful programs Like Khan Academy that can supplement, Um, but I think that is going to be the model. Is like where you can do the experiential stuff with a teacher, with um, help, you know, the teacher's help, or like different ways that you can do small group things. And then you know, if you need to learn the curriculum and be able to hear it multiple times, like my husband is like video; Mm. he learns with video. I learn by like having discussions and like we all learn differently. Right. So um, I don't know how to do that at scale, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's something there to, to, so that everyone gets to, so that they get to thrive in the learning style that they have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of your husband, um, we did talk about this before on a, on a separate call. It sounds like he's involved in some program that you had mentioned before. Do you mind just, Tell us a little bit about that because it sounded very exciting and, and very interesting for for the constituents that is.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. So I've, a lot of some of the bigger companies are doing more around. I would call it like an apprenticeship because uh, I mean something that's so. I'll give you this: what he does, and then I'll tell you why I think it's cool. Sure. <laughs> so he works for a company called Cyborg Mobile. And they consult with um, Microsoft, and they basically get to lead a program of, it's called New Technologists. So it's freshmen and sophomores um, from honestly around the globe um, that are in computer science and get to do an immersive program where it's a lot of learning and then it's Mm. project-based. And then they get to present. So they're they're working side-by-side with engineers and then they get to present and you know ultimately many of them get hired at, you know at microsoft once they graduate mm. so it's really a beautiful pipeline mm. uh what i think is so special about it is well multiple things but his program is specifically designed for students um, from underrepresented groups mm. who maybe don't have a family member who has done this before Um, So they get real access to recruiters, real access to see, well, how does the culture, what like big, you know, companies are such a mystery, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you didn't get to like go with your parent to work when you were, you know, little, which many of us never did. Mm -hmm. then how the heck are you supposed to know what that's even like? Like what's the language? Um, What are these other skills like EQ or just like being on time? Like, Uh, just how do you operate at an office, Mm -hmm. Um, different things like that. I mean, obviously it's a little different this year because it's virtual, but even still, like, how do you behave in a virtual meeting? Like what are meetings? How do you do these things? So it's a really, really cool program. And what I love about it is it's, so it's like they have students that are community college students. They have students from Harvard. They have students from like, you know, all across the country and all around the world. And it like they get to learn these from engineers that are actually doing the thing. And then they get and then he's like, he's always at, at they have demo day and he's like, am um, these students are freaking brilliant. Like you guess what app they created here? They did this thing. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they get to really build also, which is which is super cool. And You know, I think that is the way of the future is like apprenticeships is like, like, I don't believe you have to have a degree to be a great computer scientist or to be a great marketer even, but it's like, what have you done? What's your portfolio? What have you tried? Um, And what's what I'm loving seeing is that company more and more companies are open to like non traditional paths, if you can show that you have grit and show that you have, you know, experience doing some of the things. Definitely,
1: definitely. No, sounds like a wonderful program. Uh, I I look forward to hopefully talking to him on, on a future show and, and diving in a bit more. And actually, while you were talking, I even had an idea that maybe I should have both of you on, on, on the show because it sounds mm-hmm. like you, you guys would maybe be, you know, asking questions to one another, maybe, you know, synergizing. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I honestly, I have literally a slew of questions, uh, uh, you know, on top of what you've already said, but I, I know that it's going to probably take another show <laughs> to, to, to probably ask you all these, and so I, I'm literally going to mark it down after today's, uh, you know, time with you to to maybe uh, maybe you know six months down the road or so. I'm hoping that maybe I can get some more t- more of your time. You, you you just you just say so many great things about this field, and and I, I'm excited to hopefully get to talk to you more about this. So. You know, I think we'll we'll try to have you on a future well,
0: show. I love it, Brendan, because your passion around education is really contagious.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope that, you know, some of the, your thoughts and some of the thoughts that, all, you know, the other folks that we, we get to talk to are, are shared throughout because, you know, it, it. I don't think we spend enough time, I'll be honest, talking about this. And I feel like yeah. it's just such an important, very, very, very important element to all of our growth. And, and and it doesn't end, you know, like after college, right, or at your MBA program.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, like, learning is a lifelong, <laughs> a lifelong opportunity.
1: Exactly. Well, um, like I said, we'll dedicate that time, hopefully for another show. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll reach out to you then. But if you don't mind, we, we like to finish the show with uh, a thing we call the lightning round. For now, maybe we'll <laughs> we'll coin it something differently later. But I'm going to ask you five questions, relatively, you know, quickly. And if you don't mind, maybe in you know a few words, you don't you don't have to limit to the one or two words that we sometimes you know uh, say might be you know handy for us. If we want to elaborate on it afterwards, let's do that. But uh, if you don't mind, yeah, I'll just start asking you a few questions. Love it. Okay. Well, first one. So who is your hero?
0: Hmm. Yeah, my, I, my mom. Uh, she's reinvented herself many different times um, from a career perspective. She's incredibly generous um, with her time. And I, it's really neat now that I'm a mom, I really find myself modeling a lot of what she did for us.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I, I honestly, that's my answer too. So <laughs> I think we align there. Um, second question. Um, so who, it's not exactly the same, I would say, because this. let's just think maybe on a broader term, because obviously everybody doesn't have your mom, <laughs> but maybe she is a great role model for the rest of society. But, you know, um, Would you say there's someone else that you can think of that would be a great role model for everyone else?
2: Yeah,
0: you know, there's so many. I I, I was serious when I say that I collect mentors and (laughs) role models. The person that comes to mind is Arlen Hamilton.
2: Mm.
0: So she is talk about someone who is gritty and scrappy and figures it out. I mean, she has become a VC. Um, investing in underrepresented groups. And when you hear her story, check out her book when you get a chance, but mm-hmm. when you hear her story, she basically is like, I have this vision and I'm going to figure out how to do it. I have none of the pieces that make me quote unquote qualified, but she through like knowledge and grit, like she hustled and now mm-hmm. she gets to open up opportunities for people who should have it, <laughs> should have have it, should have it for a long time. So Arlen is very inspiring.
1: Well, great to hear. I'm I'm very curious now. So I'll definitely, after the show, look her up. Um, The next one is, um, so what do you think, if you don't mind? I think there's some struggling out there, whether it be in in, in work um, or school. What what do you think, since, you know, even though it sounds like you were excited to learn at all points and, and excited to be at work, you probably had some challenges. We don't talk about as much publicly, but are, do you have any tips for people out there that might be struggling a, a tad and, and, and need something that might inspire them or help them?
0: Ooh. I mean, I, I often see myself as the underdog. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, you know, I, I, you know, had to work. I didn't, I have not had like the natural talent,
2: mm.
0: like athletically or even like, you know, at school, like I've had to work really hard in order to get it mm. and um, have what, I guess the biggest thing is you don't have to do it alone. Like people are so willing to help. And I find that a well, th- a very thoughtful, you know, you reached out. Th- I just think, think about you, Brandon, like you wrote me the most thoughtful note about, Hey, I heard you on, um, Adam's podcast. This is what resonated with me. I would love to have a conversation with you. Like I didn't even, like, of course the answer <laughs> is, <isn't- laughs> And because you took the time, I could easily, I saw you cared. And you'd be amazed, like, very few people are that thoughtful, mm. right? Like, people will send random LinkedIn requests or something that, you know, yeah, I ignore. But if you're very thoughtful about, like, hey, I want to know you for this specific reason, and here's why I think you're awesome, I think 9 out of 10 people are going to take that. So if you're struck like, this weekend I spent... Um, working with two friends who are, are working on landing their next job right like mm-hmm. one wanted practice um, with a mock interview and the other we were working on a resume they asked they they let themselves be vulnerable and said hey I'm in transition I you know want to do this awesome thing you have expertise here will you help me of course so I guess my biggest thing is you don't need to do it yourself mm-hmm. look for the people who have done it and you know and then let them be a part of your journey mm-hmm. so we're going to be friends for yes, a long time, right? Yes, like, yes. This is very clear to me. Mm. And it's like, you let me be a part of this thing that's very special to you. You know, hopefully I got to share some of my story. I can't wait to hear more of your story. Mm. And it's like, we're going to follow up with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So- We're going to let each other be part of each other's journey. And that is so rewarding. Mm. So not only like reach out in a very thoughtful way, have those conversations, glean the nuggets, get the intros, get the information you need. And then, you know, when you land the job, or you're looking for the next thing or just bring someone on the journey with you.
1: Wow. Wow. No, I love that. I love that. Um, we should have, like I said, every, every answer, I feel like we should have a show on. <laughs> so, but, uh, anyway, jumping into the fourth question here. Um, I know it's not necessarily as deep, but, uh, what's your favorite meal?
0: Ooh, I'd have to say seafood. So it'd probably be like salmon or crab cakes or, you know, some nice sauteed veggies but yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and that's why you're going to probably stay in seattle for a very long time right? <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. l- last quick one um is do you have any like interesting hobbies or interests that maybe are not in the ordinary you know i mean you know or or maybe even a fact about yourself just something that people don't know about that might be a little you know ex- extraordinary
0: um, you know, the first thing that came to mind is I still, well, when the pandemic is not happening, I still really love to play soccer. Mm. I play indoor soccer with a team of folks. We've now played together for 10 years and it's, a, it's a really like special time for me because it's when my brain just is so laser focused on doing something I love, which is scoring goals.
1: <laughs> yeah, <there you> are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait to, you know, get, get back to that.
1: OK, awesome. Well, well, Emily, I have to admit this has been probably and I don't want to, you know, uh, compare to the other guests that we've had on the show, but this has been truly, truly enjoyable. Um, I, I, I want to even use better words right now, and I'm not articulating it so well right now. But but it, your answers were quite amazing. I knew there was a reason why I, I had to have you on the show. And, and I think we could probably have at least another episode at some point, you know, where we get to ask you more questions about education. But but sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your time here today.
0: Oh, it's been such a treat. You ask, you seem to know exactly where to take the conversation. And I, I really appreciate you reaching out and getting to share my story.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us here on Educate. We sincerely appreciate you spending some time and listening to our show. Hopefully you enjoy and we would always appreciate a little review here at the bottom. And on top of that, if you don't mind, subscribe and hope uh, to have you listen to more great episodes we want to share with you examining the focus of education. Thanks again. Look forward to seeing you back here on the show.